All right, well, let's get started uh, this morning with a prayer. Um, of course, we're still in our study of the harmony of the Gospels. And so let's, um, let's uh, be by with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we have today to get into Welcome to the your Fish word, Meeting. Your revelation, Four friends and disciples uh, of Jesus so Christ have been meeting and discussing be God's Word over the past 10 years with over 100,000 uh, so minutes together studying the, the Scripture. Text, uh, and now they are making that, that study available you, to you. Learn more about those Listen in as they bring the Bible into their everyday lives. pray that you're with us this morning to build us up in that way so that we can be loyal and effective servants of yours. Uh, we ask that not for our own glory, Lord, but, uh, but for yours, so that, uh, so that your name may be praised. We ask that you be with Elena, uh, Dr. B's new niece, whose dad has passed away. And we don't know all the circumstances surrounding that, Lord, but we do know that it's a, it's a tough situation for her. And so we just ask that you be with her and that entire family that struggling in these trials and help them to know what you've told us in Psalm 46, that you're an ever-present help in times of trouble, especially in those times of trouble, Lord, that we need to rely on that promise of yours. And so we just ask that you be with her and we give you the praise. We ask that you continue to be with those that are rebuilding after the hurricane, Hurricane Ida, and those uh, that will be affected on the coming storms, those that are still brewing in the uh, out in the ocean. And um, we just pray, Lord, that, you're, that you put a hedge of protection around those that are faithful followers of yours and uh, that uh, for those who do um, suffer through these storms, Lord, help, help them to see not only the turmoil uh, in that situation, but to see, uh, to see you. We know that in the midst of tragedy, there's opportunity to see you in your glorious works. And so we just, uh, we just ask that everybody uh, has eyes to see in those situations. We give you the praise for that. Today, especially, Lord, we, we uh, ask for a special blessing upon all those who remembering loved ones that they lost in the terror attacks of 20 years ago, Lord. And, uh, and then we ask that you be with the entire nation, that we, that we never forget the, the attitudes and the selfishness and the sin that causes the division that leads to those types of situations, Lord. And so uh, while we routinely say the phrase, let us never forget, what we ask today, Lord, is that you help us to never forget, uh, that if we keep our eyes on you, that the result of that will be the coming together, the, the unity, the the togetherness that that only you uh, can affect, and so we just pray, Lord, that uh, that uh, everyone keeps their eyes on you in faith this morning, Lord. Um, and uh, finally, before we get into our Bible study, we ask that you be with all those that are uh, suffering trials and need encouragement and encourage uh, as we navigate some of the uh, the um, some of the. Uh, mandates and restrictions that government is attempting to put on us. Anybody that's in a situation that's standing firm against being told to do something that uh, might be um, might be unhealthy for them, that, that you strengthen them in that moment, Lord, and we give you the praise for that. Uh, we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right. So we're uh, in the miracles of Christ. We've got just a couple more to go before we get into... Uh, well, more miracles. <laughs> and so that's what characterizes uh, the three and a half years of his earthly ministry. And, and I think, um, you know, like we were praying today, can could be something we look towards, although they don't happen as visibly um, to us today, maybe as, as they did back then. I think um, part of the reason is because we're not looking for it, right? We, we don't have eyes to see. And, and so um, 
And so let's uh, continue that study. We're in, I think we're in Matthew uh, 9, and we're going to talk about healing the paralytic. This is Matthew 9, verses 1 through 8. And it says this, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their hearts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. The purpose of this one miracle probably was that one statement right there. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had had given such authority to man. All right, now let's read that in the, we're going to read that in the other, this one's in three of the Gospels. So this is in uh, Mark chapter 2. It's early on in Mark, and uh, this is how Mark remembers this. This is a great story, too. Um, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached uh, the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the, ma- the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he, par- he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took this mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. And uh, let's just read the last the last gospel that records this, and then we can talk about it. Um, this is in John, uh, Luke chapter 5, and uh, we're in verse 17 of this gospel. I can get to the right version. Uh, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village in Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. The power of the Lord is with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began to think to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. Uh, They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things. You know, it's interesting that they, uh, what Jesus did caused people to praise God. And yet the teachers of the law thought it was blasphemy for him to do what he did. 
and uh, um, I, I recall, I think it's in uh, Acts. Yes, in Acts, um, somewhere around chapter 13 or 14, when Jesus was teaching, or when the not Jesus, it was uh, it was um, the apostle, it was Paul and, and Barnabas when they were teaching in the synagogues, and it, it's the it's probably one of the best uh, renditions of the gospel I think in in all the recorded preachings of the apostles um, and. Uh, it was such a great, um, you know, if you remember the story, they were, they were teaching in the synagogue, and the, and the people asked Paul, "Do you have a word of encouragement for us?" And then Paul stood up. Paul stood up and started talking about the history of, of the nation of Israel and what uh, all the prophets said, and then and then talked about Jesus fulfilling that prophecy. And and um, the next day, it said the entire town was there to hear Paul talk, and the uh, and the Pharisees were jealous, and they started saying bad things about him. And I think it's the same motivation here, right? Uh, they're, you know, they're not saying it's only God that can uh, that can um, heal people. What they're saying is that they're the ones that access God's ability to heal people. And I think they were probably jealous that they weren't involved in this. Uh, otherwise, why would they think it was bad for somebody to do miracles in God's name? I mean, that's crazy. I found two interesting. Um things in in those readings the one i never really thought of before and that is that jesus knew what they were thinking Mm -hmm. people don't know what other people are thinking you might think you know but you don't we don't know what people are thinking and that there should have been uh, astonishing to the the pharisees as they were you know being called out for their thoughts like the woman at the well right the, the other point is when he says, which is easier to, to do, to tell someone that they, their sins are healed or to actually heal them? You know, to me, I'm looking at it the opposite way. How hard is it to heal a paralytic? We all know people who paralyze. They don't just get up and walk. That's not something that happens every day. And if God can do that, to me, sin is even more difficult to forgive. We know we're all going to be judged at the, when we die. We're all going to stand in front of God. And that forgiveness, to me, is much more difficult than, than walking. So just a different perspective that I had when you read that. Yeah, no, I think it's – and, and the, uh, I think, I think the, um, the, the difference between those two and the purpose is uh, – you you're hinting at it – if he didn't say it right out, is they saw the man get up and walk, right? And and uh, when he said your your sins are forgiven, they said, wait, this guy's blaspheming. There's no way his sins are forgiven. The only person who could do that is God. And so it's kind of like you saying, you don't believe that I've healed him spiritually. Well, let me show you. I'll hear. I'll heal him physically. Right. And they saw that. Right. They couldn't. They couldn't deny the fact that the guy got up and walked. Yeah, but, you know, I don't think there's a difference in those two things. I'm beginning to think that his physical healing was a result of his uh, forgiveness of his sins. And the reason that I think that is because aging and all those things that happen to us, uh, medical and psychological illnesses and whatever, are a result of sin that entered the world. So it's almost like forgiving of the sin is what causes the physical healing to begin with. So I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. The the, two... They're linked, for sure. Sorry, I guess, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the two main 
themes here is uh, forgiveness of sins that's uh, in the, in the here in the light of healing somebody but from the healing what jumps out at me is again and again jesus mentions about the faith your faith has healed you so and and what dr b was saying about the paralytic paralysis i mean to heal to to see a paralytic person get well uh, and coming from a medical profession it's just uh, amazing to see that kind of thing and and when you know even though with the current medication it's always a little bit of trial and error it may work it may not work and seeing somebody who is paralyzed get up in full strength of uh, himself and walk that's just uh, amazing and and the thing here is it's only his faith or the friend's faith who brought the paralytic person there and, and that leads to another thing that i know we should have our faith but looks like their friend's faith also is helpful here yeah yeah um matthew says his faith but mark and luke both said their faith yeah yeah it's, well uh, just picture that can you picture it them not only carrying him to go see him but dig, climbing up on the roof with him digging through the top lowering him down that's a level of belief and faith that is what stimulated the whole thing. Can you imagine trying to do that? Like picture the four of us. Yeah. I mean, that's just huge. And that's what God's looking for is that kind of solid faith and care for other people, the yeah. love of your neighbor um, as yourself, that I think that whole thing, all those things that played in together is what, is what they reacted to. Yeah, that's a great point that, uh, that's subtle in this story, but, um, but I think it's a really valid one, right? The love that you just mentioned. Um, because how, you know, how many of us would say, well, we tried, look at this crowd, you know, you're on your own, bud, sorry. But they, uh, they carried them up to the roof. I mean, how, how do you do that in those days, right, in that, in that uh, by taking four corners of the mat, right? They must have two ladders, and that wasn't an easy task. And uh, I can't remember this. Well, this e is one of them. Yeah, go ahead, Dr. B. I was just going to say, even just to take them there, you had to have faith that it was going to happen. Yeah. You know, you, you can't this person's been paralyzed for, you know, his entire life and he's been laying there and his friends are like, okay, we got it. It's going to happen. We, we know this is going to happen. I mean, how many, how long have they been waiting for this, hoping for it, praying for it, wishing that it would happen? And, and they're actually picking them up and taking them to, to the place. So, so it is. It's the power of all of their beliefs. Yeah, and and the and, and the love part, the love of his friends. So there's a cu cultural connotation to that, and I can sense that very easily. That how these people were able to do that. I think that's a very common thing in these cultures. Uh, and and I won't be surprised if the the paralytic said, "I don't want to go," and these people just said, "No, no, no. Yeah. You got to go. We have to take you there." And and, and that's very acceptable. In, in those cultures uh collectivist yeah and and they're thinking for him and and it's nothing very unusual you know there so looks like faith authority of god and love of the friends those are coming out at some points out of this but yeah. i'm really seeing a lot about faith from all these teachings and yeah. i think i'm looking at it in a new way after hearing it again and again and uh, 
and especially uh, Jesus mentioning the the word faith and saying every time that your faith has made you well that there is um, you know we all know that we faith and we do talk about it but I think it takes a new meaning when you hear it again and again and hear it from Jesus mm-hmm. yep yeah, yeah, I agree, and, and it uh, the thing that 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 comes out to me, of course, it's faith, you know, uh, in in who Jesus is and what he did. But you know, like it says in here, um, faith in in the authority, right, or a faith in the power, you know, um, you know, that's that's the uh, that's a that's another aspect of faith, I think, right? That that is the trust that not only can he, but that he will, right? I mean, it, it, if you believe that he will, but don't believe that he can, then you, then there's something lacking. <clears throat> and if you believe that he can, but you don't believe he will, you know, then that's something uh, lacking to you. And and the Pharisees opposing, or or at least uh, they're shocked. Jesus is saying uh, your fa- uh, your sins are forgiven. Now, when you just logically think the you know they knew that the way that somebody's sins are forgiven is by a sacrifice. And, and, and they were uh, open to that kind of information. And this new information looks like they didn't have the ears to hear or the eyes to see. Uh, but just from the perspective of Pharisee, I can understand why they were so shocked. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> there was a little bit of a, a humbling aspect of this, uh, this whole time period, right, which they're you know, not only shocked because it's so different, right, than what the you know what the Jews have been taught, but it also I think uh, hit them a little bit in you know where they they define themselves. Well, and it also shows a little bit about the continuum of belief. So, for example, you know we've talked before about people that need to work on their um, belief system when they go to church on Sunday, and then the rest of their week is not really led in a way that would be an example of, of their Christianity. We talk about them being in the God Club or things like that. But think about this. Even the people that are extremely faithful, who think that they are doing so much more than the folks that just are holiday churchgoers, would you carry a neighbor, Miles? You know? And so, so I think that the whole judging, it's almost like every single thing that, that the Bible teaches us could be all culminated in here about judging others, loving your neighbors, just your faith. There's so much of that. It's like a um, like a mini city of everything that the Bible's trying to tell us about each other. Yeah, that's an amazing thing about the, what Jesus taught, right? So it's so many things and such a simple concept. Well, I think what it, what it says is that all these things that we think are so complex all boil down to very simple basics, which is pretty much the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, that's what, and that's you know, that's what Jesus says. Is the uh, it boils down to even two, right? <laughs> when when they say which one's the greatest, love God and love your neighbor. That's what it boils down to. Of course, it, yeah. you, you know, you have to have faith, faith in Christ, which is what drives those two, right? And uh, so, uh, so the next section is an interesting one, and uh, of course, we've got. Um, I think so far he called uh, Andrew and Simon Peter, Philip and Nathaniel. And now, uh, and then James and John. So Andrew, Simon, you know, and then uh, now he's going to call Matthew. And um, this is in mm-hmm. Matthew 9, 9 through 13. 
And he says, And Jesus passed forth from thence. Let me go to the NIV. Matthew was uh, probably not uh, the favorite amongst the, amongst the apostles, amongst themselves anyway. And Jesus went on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth, which, um, you know, and, and I'm sure there was inconsistencies, but, you know, in that uh, show, The Chosen, um, it, I never would have thought about that, the statement that I just read in the same way until, until um, seeing, you know, the episode where Matthew was chosen there because, um, you know, tax collectors were hated. And this was by the Jews. And this was a Jew that became a tax collector. It was a Jew that worked for the Romans. And so uh, when he saw Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth, that's a huge statement. And, uh, and, and he says to him, follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Well, gee, and you know, and so that's a that's another you know, it's it's kind of like when he called uh, Peter, right? And and he walks away from everybody that was fishing, and uh, and just follows him. You know, this is you know, this is as remarkable as that because of who Matthew was and what he did. He just got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, "Why did?" Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. Oh, man. Can you imagine what they must have thought? If they thought saying that he could heal sins and and then watching him heal the paralytic uh, was something. Um, Can you imagine what the Pharisees thought of this one? Well, especially since he said, I don't require sacrifice. That's the basis of everything that they have learned and done. That's right. Yeah. This is what uh, what, uh, Mark says in the same same one. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked him, his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but a sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so Matthew is called Levi in, in, uh, in Mark. And then the final one is... Uh, Luke, and after these things, this is King James, let me go to the NIV. Uh, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. That's that's, um, a more explicit explanation of uh, what it meant to follow him. Then Levi, uh, because he adds in there, left everything. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, why do, you eat, uh, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus said to them, same thing, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And, uh, you know, that focus is something. And, uh, you know, this is one of those things, I think, that adds credence to the eyewitness um, uh, accounts, right? Because there's there's differences in what uh, each of the gospel writers choose to include here. Um, there's small differences in, you know, maybe some of the, the, the details of the stories. But 
when it comes down to what was said uh, and and the the parts of it that uh, that uh, you know are the are what we're supposed to take a lesson from those things are exact right it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick and I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to re- repentance and you know the attitude of the Pharisees I think in some ways and I I don't know I mean I go back and forth on this but I think it's I think it's clear in scripture that they were uh, prideful, right? I mean, they they felt like they were better than everybody else. I think um, if they imagined the Messiah coming, what they imagined is that he was coming praising them, right, for their dedication and for their wisdom and for their teaching. And in some ways, that's what he's saying here. I, did, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sick. Um, I didn't come because uh, I'm praising you. I came so that you might praise me. Right. I, I didn't come because I needed to. I came because you needed me to. Yeah, I think that that's the central message here, uh, that uh, God didn't come for the, or, or God came for people who think that they are sinners. Uh, it may come across as, oh, then what about people who are righteous? At least in that time, uh, they considered themselves righteous, even though, they were sinners. Mm-hmm. So unless they have that uh, acceptance or what, what the word I'm trying to look for is uh, that they understand that they are not righteous, that this Jesus uh, message is not going to have any effect on them. Uh, so I think it, it, even in, in, in us, how does, and I always look for how does this thing apply to us in our times, is that sometimes we may think, oh, because we are born again, we have a little more understanding now, that that can put that uh, a little pride thing in us of being righteous. Although we are righteous, but we are righteous by the grace of God. And we may start relying a little bit on our own works because we do get disciplined in, in many areas after we are born again. Uh, so I think that's the message that we are sinners, and that's who Jesus came for. Uh, although we are not in the same place as we were before, uh, and, and, and we need God's grace constantly and each and every day, and that's what you know Jesus uh, came for to help those people. Who can who, who, I think humility is the word I was looking for. It, it also has, a, you know, a hidden message there is of humility, that we need that humility to identify ourselves as needing help from God. Even though we may be on different levels of faith and our, our journey in life, but have the humility that, yes, each and every day we need, we need Jesus. I love that. All right. <clears throat> All right. Well, um, the last uh, the last one in this section. Um, let's see. Uh, this is uh, an interesting title for this uh, this part. It's "Thy Disciples Fast Not." And so uh, this is Matthew. We're going to um, read the first one in Matthew uh, nine fourteen through seventeen. Then John's disciples came and asked him, "How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast?" Jesus answered. How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will will be taken from them. Then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. 
Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and then both are preserved. And I, I, I want to say, and the parables begin. This, uh, certainly the way he taught made people think. And this is what uh, Mark says. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of untrunk cloth on an old garment, otherwise the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wines will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. Nope, they poured new wine into new wineskins. And then finally in Luke, and they said unto him, they said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and in those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one, otherwise they will be torn. They will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. Uh, no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the new wines will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for they say the old is better. So, how does the new and the old? fit into the fasting or not fasting um, when, when, the, when Jesus is with them? I think there are a lot of, uh, I mean, it, it's pretty, it can be analyzed in, 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 in various ways. And one of the big one is the new wine and the old wine, old wine skin and the new wine. Uh, of course, it's referring to the, the, the law and grace and, and, and you you cannot be have a mentality of the law and also believe in grace. Either it's going to be law or grace. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, number one. And and I'm <laughs> looking at it from the perspective of these Pharisees, how difficult it must have been for them to understand all this. Their whole life and belief system, and that's why probably today a lot of these people have so much challenge accepting this they had believed in the law, that that was the way to God. And, uh, and now you are totally removing that and saying you don't even have to follow the law. But, but there also there's the deeper meaning. It's not that you don't have to follow the law. It's that because of grace, you will follow the law, but not uh, to get out of trouble. That you will become so disciplined with this new way of life that you won't do those things that were there. In, uh, the, in the in the Ten Commandments, you won't violate those, and you will do this now with the help of God Himself. So that part and the, and the new wine in the old wine skin, the renewing of the mind, I think it speaks to that. That without renewing of the mind, you won't be able to manage this life of grace. This has to change completely. Your old self has to totally change, otherwise. Uh, this new one's going to leak out. So that's the other message. And then the uh, the thing about fasting, I think that kind of goes back to the 
the old system and the discipline of of life that they had and they thought that that's that was you know a stepping stone towards god and jesus is saying you don't need that now because i am here and these people don't need to fast they don't need to keep the law uh, and and then he says that oh when i am when i am when the bridegroom is no more with them then they will fast or something i'm i'm paraphrasing it so what what is the meaning of that yeah i mean i think you hit on it right there when you said uh, you know that they don't need to fast fasting was a was a way to draw near uh, nearer to god uh, and God was amongst them, right? And so there was no need to fast. But when when he when the bridegroom or when Jesus is taken away from him for a time, then he's no longer, you know, physically there, right? Even though spiritually we have him inside. Until um, waiting for the hope, you know, if we tie it into the the talk and this you know gets you know down into that uh, theology stuff, I guess. But uh, if we tie it into the thoughts of um, when we put our faith in Christ, we're given the promised Holy Spirit, a down payment of what is to come, right? And when we think about the, the crown of righteousness, I think it is, that's reserved for those who who love or look forward to a second coming. Um, you know, so the fasting is, uh, you know, in the time period when, you know, we're, we're awaiting his, his return. So I always found the pouring the new wine in the old skin and the fabric. I always found that confusing until our this conversation right now. So just let me, um, the thought that I had when you were saying that to Neil and Tim is that Jesus is saying, I'm here and I'm, I'm giving you new ideas. I'm teaching you new things. And it's going to be really hard for the Pharisees to understand that. So I'm, I'm focusing my time on minds and hearts that will be receptive to these new ideas. And otherwise, the Pharisees are going to explode. I mean, their minds are going to explode. They're going to tear open. They just they won't be able to accept the new ideas that that's kind of what I'm thinking that means now before I totally didn't understand it yeah no that that new wine and old wine skin you can cut it into so many different ways uh, you can make it like the old covenant and the new covenant the old ideas versus new ideas and now since you mentioned new ideas I think then what God is saying is we should be open to new ideas because if God is with us now uh, he's not going to just give us 10 things and say, okay, now be stagnant with these. He's going to uh, give us new ideas, which is, and, and we see that all the time when we read these scriptures and have these discussions. I think in the theological terms, they call it progressive revelation. Now, let's ask Tim. Tim, is that like a, the right you thing, this progressive revelation? Or... I, I believe that it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's a there's debate, uh, of course, over that because it you know, progressive revelation gets you into dispensationalism, you know, which a lot of people, you know, the dispensation of um, of the law versus dispensation of grace, and you know, um, but I think it's true, right? Because as you as you go throughout the Bible, um, as time goes by, you know, we're we're 
we're reading it after the fact, but when you think about the history of Adam and Eve and the, and the nation of Israel and then Jesus' ministry and then the, the apostles and what they did, throughout that whole time, Christ uh, uh, or God is revealing to us more and more progressively. Right? That's, and, and, I, and I believe that's the case. That's why Paul says, I now bring to you this mystery that has been hidden up until this point. And the reason it's been hidden is because we needed to be prepared. That's why the law was given before Christ came, so that it could show men's sin. So, uh, you know, I, I believe for sure that um, God's revelation is progressive. Yeah. And, and I think of it, if it is God, you know, who is the owner of everything and how much we are learning about God, that there may be so much that we still don't understand. And the Holy Spirit has to keep on revealing that. And, and, and again, God knows that we cannot digest all this at once. Uh, if we have even a glimpse of the enormity, the magnanimity of God, I think we won't have difficulty in this progressive revelation concept. But if we put God in a box and then we say, you know, uh, I think then we'll have challenge with this concept. But God is so big, and just looking the things around us, and and uh, and every time we read the scripture, there is the, the, so many times we find new meaning from the same scripture. So so there has to be progressive revelation. Yeah, Sherry, you were going to say something a second ago. Uh, no, I was just going to say that you know my you know my take is always very simple and straightforward. I I thought that this meant. And it kind of ties into what you guys were saying. The more you learn, the more you're accountable for. And, you know, we've said this is like peeling an onion. So, so slowly we learn more and more and deeper things about Scripture. But every time we learn more, you're accountable for more. That's the Christian responsibility. And I think that the wineskin piece is as you grow, you can't continue old habits and old ways no matter what it is, you know, it's not just following the law or, or grace. It's about everything that you do, how you treat others, how you handle yourself. And that takes constant introspection to look to yourself in the hopes of finding something that you can fix. And there's a lot of people that don't do that. Um, and I think that that's a responsibility. So it's really simple for me. It's that you've got to constantly monitor that you're leaving old, poor ways behind, and you're, you're moving into what God expects of you. I'm sure that it's more complicated than that, but that's the way I take it. You explained it the message Bible way, Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's the straightforward message right there. Yeah. yeah, and it's a new, you know, those things are all new, right? So if you, if you, if you take, Sherry, what you just said and, and, uh, and then apply it, Right, in, in in the ways that you said, um, it's a different way to do things. Right, with that introspection that you talk that you talk about is a different way of thinking. Right, loving your enemies is not what people do. Right, uh, you no. know, we talk about love uh, and love for our you know our family or our, our you know those that 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 typically people love. You know what what's surprising in that, but those ways that um, God expects of us, as you say, that's different, right? It's different than the, the fallen human nature. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the new wineskin. And, and if you, you know, if you, or the new wine, I mean, and in order to, in order for that new wine to survive, right? Or what was the other one that he said? Uh, 
oh, the piece of the garment, right? You know, you wouldn't want to cut out, you know, some of that new way of thinking and patch it back into the old ways of selfishness and, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? It ruins both of them. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. rationalization when you try to keep doing the old things right. and, and, and try to say that it works. That's a patch. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, for me, it's um, – I just, just left my brain. There was something that you said that I was going to mention, um, and I forgot it. Maybe it'll come back. I was going to say also the new way of thinking involves buying Christmas presents for all these children around the world yeah. that you don't even – and. Uh, uh, you know, and, and Dr. V was talking about countries where, you know, their security are all dangerous kind of country. Who would have thought of all these things before with the old way of thinking? Uh, yeah, this, I remember. You know. Yeah, go ahead, Sherry. Um, what I remembered was part of that introspection is not being successful. So, you know, when you talk about loving your neighbor and we know that there are certain situations in which we find that very difficult, it's not about overcoming it right away. It's about knowing that it's wrong not to care about them and working towards fixing that. So yeah. I think a lot of people get derailed because they're not successful. Like you're not going to say, um, I love this person who did something horrible. But knowing that you should and working toward it, that is huge. And that is a complete, in my mind, a complete demonstration of faith. 100% trusting what God tells you you should do and working toward it even when you don't succeed. Yeah. And the key word there is what God tells you. Mm-hmm. Dr. B had to I, drop. I hear that, you know, some, many times I hear even in the, in the church, and I wonder about that because they say if God told you this, then you do it. And, 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 and I think uh, in my mind, I, I'm not sure many times if that's God telling me something. You're right. So, so that, I put that emphasis on that. Now, if you are sure that God's telling you no question then, you know, because that, that's, that's the best decision or the, 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 the best way to go. But the problem with, at least I know for myself, is that we don't know always that God's telling us this. Sometimes we think God is telling us, but again, now, if it matches, I think, so how do we know whether God is telling us? If, if it matches with the word of God, then yes. I think we should, uh, otherwise we'll doubt everything because our mind's never going to be 100%. But right. if it lines up with the word of God, then yes, we know that God is telling us this. Like God said, love your neighbor. So I don't have to go figure out that. I know it's written there and it's 100%. Love your neighbor. Yeah, and I think if you uh, if you if you uh, in, uh, one of the ways in order to discern that and um, and what Sherry was saying about the the introspection is we should be we should be sure of why we're doing things right because this starts out with them with the Pharisees fasting and and they're saying hey look at we're fasting you guys aren't and pretty much Jesus said but you have no idea why right if you knew why you were fasting then you would know you wouldn't have to since I'm here. Right, and so if we're going to do things, we shouldn't do it because it's tradition or because everybody else does or because it's what we've always done. You know, we we should uh, we should understand that God is the one that's you know that's you know in what you said asking us to do it. Right, we should do it because Absolutely. that's what God wants us to do. Right. I'm glad you both talked to that. I would not want to close this session without giving a solution. So you know, reading, staying in Scripture is a way to double check a lot of that. 
But there are mm-hmm. situations that are really iffy, and that's where you need other Christians, your pastor, you know, you need church, you need those things to help straighten some of that out. And, and knowing that you need that and seek it out to do the right thing is part of what we talked about earlier. Yeah, that's excellent, Sherry. I think you closed the loop on that. Now it makes sense, <laughs> you know, yeah. that it's not, it's not just us uh, who have to make the decision. We have the word of God to rely on. Then we have other people uh, who hear from God as well. And so, so, so combining all these things, there's a very good chance that we will uh, make the right call. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for uh, our time today. So uh, next week, uh, we're going to look at some of the stuff that John said. So um, when we went through most of the miracles that we've talked through so far, other than healing the nobleman's son, John was silent. It was Matthew, Mark, and Luke that recorded them. Next week, we'll talk about those that John records and the other three don't. Uh, and so, and then, and then we'll get into the parable teaching, which I'm sure will spark a lot of really good discussion. So, uh, do one of you want to close us with a prayer this morning? Yes, I can. I can do that. Let's okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, mighty God, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for all these discussions that we have. Thank you for giving us new ideas, as we learned, Lord, in your word that this new wine, we cannot uh, put it in the old wineskin, that we have to put this new wine into a new wineskin. And that new wineskin comes with your grace. Thank you for helping us understand so much about faith, that, excuse me, that word faith we keep hearing again and again. Uh, And we hear it from the words of Jesus. And thank you that uh, you are helping us with our faith as well. And we learned about the authority of Jesus today, Lord, that Jesus has the power to forgive sins. So if we get off track and we come to God and ask him for the forgiveness of our sins, uh, he will forgive our sins. So thank you for giving us that understanding. And also the, uh, we learned about the love of friends in that uh, cultural context, that those friends who brought this paralytic man to, to Jesus for healing and uh, so much about humility we learned and, uh, and that Jesus has come to call the sinners uh, and, and for understanding that we are sinners as well, that uh, even though we are walking in this new life, uh, we do get off track and, and we, we should have the humility to understand that and come back to God and ask for the forgiveness of sins. And also this concept of, hearing from God, as Sherry brought up, and that uh, we don't have to be alone in that making that call, that we align it with the Word of God, seek out help from other Christian friends, pastors, and other, uh, other channels of, uh, of listening to uh, things that come from God, that we can, in the end, make the right call that we are hearing from God. And, of course, the Holy Spirit, uh, the main helper that uh, Jesus said that we will have, who will help us with all these discernment and, and things that we don't understand. So we thank you, Lord, for helping us grow in all these things. And uh, we pray that uh, you'll bless our group here, that we'll keep learning and keep growing and, 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 and keep uh, 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 pouring out this new wine into new wineskins. 
And we pray, Lord, for Dr. B's uh, Operation Christmas Child program that she is leading. Uh, we pray that uh, you help her, Lord, with all the uh, logistics of it and, and, and help her that more and more people will uh, will come and join that and because that also is this new idea, this new wine that we are thinking about these children around the globe that we don't even know and uh, we are trying to uh, give them uh, presents for Christmas. So we thank you for that grace as well. And we pray, Lord, as we go about our business, that you be involved in everything that we do and uh, keep, uh, keep us in your, in your grace and keep us in the palm of your hand so that uh, we can keep growing and keep believing and just stay close to you, Lord, in every way. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 This has been a production of the Fish Meeting Bible Study Group. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next week as we continue our study of God's Word. Until then, live what you learn.